0: Listening to Broncos this week, presented by Original 16,
1: the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos, is Ryan Schweitzer and Craig Boschemann. Welcome to another edition of Broncos This Week, brought to you by Original 16, another stuffed podcast. Uh, alum Jeremy Rondeau is going to be joining us uh, on today's show. Glad to have you along as well. Uh, Dean Brockman, Swift and Bronco head coach and director of hockey operations. will stop by for a little chit chat as well. Ryan Schweitzer, along with Craig Boschman, Broncos This Week for Original 16. Bosch, almost ready to go here and uh, and drop the puck on 2019-20.
2: Yeah, does this count as our first regular season podcast or is it still technically preseason because the regular Regular season doesn't start until Friday.
1: I'm going to say this still counts as preseason. Let's okay. just keep the expectations nice and low, and then divert the pressure to next week.
2: It's usually my specialty. Um, yeah, preseason was was great. Um, how about uh, you know undefeated in regulation preseason? Not to say that it, it's uh, you know the be all and end all preseason, but I'm not sure a lot of people around you know the Western Hockey League world would have expected the Broncos to go five oh oh and one in the preseason. So pretty you know an entertaining start of the season to say the least. I would
1: think. Well, yeah, but after that preseason, I was actually talking. Mayor Dennis Perot and he said the parade route for this season <laughs> is going to go uh, down Chaplin Street and then uh, over to Central and then hit the South Side. So parades are already being planned. <laughs> 5-0 and preseason. Piece of cake, but that's certainly something that we'll look forward to talking to, to head coach Dean Brockman about, about his thoughts on that uh, 5-0-0-1 preseason, which certainly has people feeling optimistic, but uh, a big task on the horizon with the Calgary Hitman, and we've heard today that they're getting some reinforcements for that season opener. Yeah,
2: not only um, earlier this week, I think it was two days ago, they got Jet Wu and Carson Folk back from the Vancouver Canucks, and then yesterday got uh, Yegor Zamula back from the Philadelphia Flyers. So they're pretty much going to have their full lineup, I think, and, and plus any new guys. And I think Mark Castell, like I'm not sure if he's been sent back yet from the Ottawa Senators organization, but um, I think I think it's you know we we touched on this with with Dean uh, later on in this podcast, but I think it's what you want. I think you want to face their top line. You don't want to you don't want to get off easy and say oh we beat them, but they were missing their four best players. Like you want to jump into the fire right away and get a chance. to to test yourself against a team that I personally think is is one of the top contenders for the uh, Edge North Cup.
1: Game number one is going to be a heck of a uh, measuring stick game, if you will. Yeah, the Calgary Hitmen in town. Hoping for a packed house for that one. There's going to be all sorts of festivities happening at the Innovation Credit Union IPLEX. During the game, we're hoping that everyone's fired up for that, but a nice little pregame pep rally planned beforehand.
2: Yeah, and it starts uh, early. I mean, usually doors open at six, games at seven kind of thing, but uh, four o'clock is when the festivities are are starting here at the Innovation Credit Union. IPlex, There's uh, there's barbecue outside. There's going to be original 16 sampling, I believe, of course, for people over the age of 19, um, but also season ticket holders. Anyone who's listening might be a season ticket holder. They've got coupons for free burgers and a drink in their uh, season ticket books, and uh, the marching band from the uh, Swift Current Comp, uh, I believe, is coming to perform. There's going to be music outside. Uh, I'm sure members of the organization, maybe not players and coaches, they'll be a little busy getting ready for the game, but uh, you know, people like myself and maybe Schweitzer and, and Nathan McDonald, our business director, can pop outside and, and meet some people for the first time kind of thing so or I guess me meeting people for the first time you probably know everyone in town don't you
1: well you, you <laughs> live here long enough it's uh, it's not a big swath to cut so yeah stick around for two or three seasons and you'll be that way too <laughs> but uh, but yeah a lot of people talking Bronco hockey a lot of people pumped up about that uh, the preseason we'll ta- we'll have a chat with Dean Brockman about all things Broncos kind of get our uh, State of the Union address just two days removed from home opener Jeremy Rondo what a guy he's uh, a partner at MNP here does some great Great work there, Swift Current Bronco alum, and you know Jr. He, he's really the poster boy, you could say, for for alums that that didn't necessarily go on and have that glamorous pro career. He played here for a number of years. He he met a girl from Swift. He moved back here, started a family with uh, Kirsten, said girl, and and uh, you know took advantage of that education money as well. So very much looking forward to catching up with Jr. I know you booked him this week, and he's looking forward to being here. Right? Yeah,
2: absolutely. And and like you said, he's kind of that poster guy for guys who play in the Western League and then take full advantage of that scholarship money of course one of the you know the major benefits of playing in the Western Hockey League is getting that scholarship money every single year and he used that to his full advantage at the University of Saskatchewan so uh, we'll kind of get his thoughts on his his time here in Swift Current Uh, was of course drafted by the Calgary Flames during uh, his time here as well so uh, I'm sure he went to some pro camps uh, with the Flames as well so we'll kind of get some stories from JR and and like you said what a what a great he's just a great human he's just a great uh, person he's amazing so it's uh, glad to have him on glad we were able to get him in uh, relatively early on our
1: podcast and uh,
2: looking forward to dropping this one
1: standing by our chat with jr coming up in just a sec here broncos this week for original 16 you're listening to broncos this week presented by original 16 the official beer of the Swift-Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast. Uh, we got alum Jeremy Rondeau joining us. Uh, we're powered by Original 16, but he was nice enough to bring a bunch of Tim Hortons coffees in. JR, we thank you for that. Welcome to the podcast. Hey,
0: man. Uh, I appreciate it, you guys. Thanks for having me. Um, look forward to chatting with you guys and, and uh, I guess, getting my feet wet with this podcast thing.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And, and you know, we, we hope that you can turn into one of those recurring guests, i.e., the guy we call when no one else is available. So
0: <laughs> I feel like that's how I got this invite. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: no, no. Exa- you're, you're, you're on there. We want to talk to you, of course, because you've done so much as an alum. And, you know, you yourself, you're, you're kind of the poster boy with this organization for the educational component of what we do. And we'll certainly talk more about that in a bit. But I got to ask you, have you checked out any training camp yet? And have you seen much of this team?
0: You know, what? I, I'll i be honest with you, I haven't. Uh, I've watched a little bit online um, with my kids in hockey. It's it seems to be that's that ends up being the focus. But uh, uh, certainly get asked a lot of questions and and, uh, you know, look, people look to me for some input on the team and they're super surprised at you know how things shook out in the preseason so you know everything i'm hearing is uh, is super positive and exciting so uh, you know hopefully that can continue on into the into the season and
2: i guess before we go back to your full history of getting here to swift current uh, this i think this town and, and maybe this team kind of changed your life in a way because you moved here met a girl from here and now you live here full time so this city had
0: a major impact on you didn't it Oh, yeah. We're going to go deep, are we? <laughs> yeah, we are. We're, we're going really, way deep we're here, really Jeremy. Go deep. Um, huge impact. I mean, I, I remember getting here and pretty naive, uh, pretty naive kid, really not very worldly and, and uh, came in and, and, you know, all of a sudden you're mixing and mingling with 20 year olds and life changes very quickly and you're on your own. And away from home, uh, my family was big. There was, uh, uh, I had uh, five brothers and sisters and all younger than me. So, you know, it was basically, you're on your own growing <laughs> up at, you know, starting at 16 and uh, had the fortune of meeting some great people in this community and, and really was the draw to come back here. I mean, uh, we stayed connected. Obviously, my, my wife, Kirsten, is from here and, and her family, you know, kind of some of them left and all came back, and, and now we're all back in the same place. So, it's yeah, this was kind of the, the kickstart to uh, getting life in order, I guess you could say. So I, yeah, this community has been fantastic for me and, and for my family, for sure.
1: And I think nowadays, you know, with these kids that come here, with technology, with social media, you can send a DM, you can send a text, you can FaceTime your family whenever you want. But, I mean, the times were different back then. Like, I imagine it would have been tough to, as you say, like leave that big family with five kids mm-hmm. behind and, and come here. You know, what was that like? Oh,
0: it, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I remember um – you know, there, it might be a month before I'd hear from from my crew because, you know, mom and dad are back taking taking care of the rest of the family, right? And they're all, you know, either newborns or, or growing up playing hockey. So lots of travel and, and everything. So um, certainly, uh, you know, in today's day and age, you know, you could be halfway around the world and FaceTime somebody and, and you can stay really, really connected where, uh, you know, back when I was playing in the in the old days, if you want to call it that, it was, it was a little different. You know, you just didn't have that, you know, that conversation connectivity and, and you really had to, you know, try really hard. I mean, you might see your parents once every month or two and, and chat with them on the phone a couple of times. That was the extent of it. So uh, today's day and age, I'm sure it's a little bit easier for, for some of these kids to really stay connected with family and, and uh, you know, that, that whole homesickness thing, if that ever becomes an issue, uh, I think, that, you know, it can be addressed pretty easily now. So a little different, but Nonetheless, I guess we all still have to, you know, at 16, you think leaving home and, and coming to small town Swift Current, depending on where you're from, you know, comes with all kinds of different challenges, right? Mm-hmm. Mom and dad aren't there. Uh, and and now you're growing up. Whether you like it or not, you got to try and find a way to make it work.
2: Now, how did you end up here? I know there was a draft, you know, the Western League draft goes back a long way, but were you drafted or were you listed? How did you end up in, in Swift Current from Vermilion, Alberta?
0: Oh, well vermilion alberta where i was born yeah lived like six years of my life but but uh ended up being a gypsy as i was growing up and spent lots of time in different places but anyway to your question um i was an undrafted player i was playing bantam in regina and uh the coach of that uh, bantam team was one of the scouts for kamloops uh todd ripplinger if if you recognize that name um Anyway, he was my, he was my coach, and, and I ended up getting a chance to go to a number of different spring camps and, you know, tried to fight my way onto, you know, some kind of a protected list with, with whoever would take me. Ended up that Kamloops took me. So I, you know, headed out to Kamloops uh, at least once, if not twice, for camp out there. And uh, some interesting experiences with some great hockey players. You know, thinking way back, you know, the Darcy Tuckers of the world and Jerome McGinley's of the world and and those kind of guys would have been kind of at the tail end of their career when I was starting. So anyway... um, I was listed there, and then I was traded here. I was kind of like the the toss-in. I think (laughs) Kerwin would probably agree with me when I say that. Um, So Keith McCambridge and Ashley Buckberger went to Kamloops, if you you remember that. Um, And I was part of that deal. So I was playing midget in, in Saskatoon at the time. And uh Cam Severson and Jeff Enkelman uh, were playing in Kamloops at the time. So that those guys were actively playing and they came across to Swift. And I was kind of the, the pucks in that deal, <laughs> if, you could, if you could call me that. So that's how I got here. Came for camp and really had no idea what was going to happen and how that was all going to play out. Uh But, yeah, ended up that I got to... Spend a few years here, anyways.
1: That's a trade tree that I think should really be down yeah. on a future episode. Yeah. Keith McCambridge, Ashley Buckbird, or <laughs> trade tree there. And JR, a part of that. Uh, so, so you played here, uh, you got to play with coach Todd McClellan. And, you know, what was that experience like? You Catch, know, what catching I, I, Todd at the beginning of the year, he's young, and at, or at the beginning of his career, young and enthusiastic. Yeah, you
0: know, and I was trying to think, I was actually talking to, to uh, some of the, the current players just the other day about this, him, uh, and about the fact that he was my coach. and, you know as a you know I was what 16 or 17 at the time and you you kind of think you've you've got huge expectations for these coaches but looking back I think he was like 27 when he was here like he was just you know kind of wet behind the ears he was just a young guy really and uh, you know trying to figure out his style and and uh, and what that would look like Um, certainly a you know brilliant guy from a technical standpoint Um, You had some great players here and Brad Larson and Chris Siski and and we had some really good teams. I I think back then I don't remember much, but um, you know going back we had some, some great players and, and his influence was huge. You know I think of you know the differences between a you know a Todd McClellan and a, and a Dave Adolf at the U of S. You know I played five years there, uh, just different styles and different philosophies. But uh, you know he's had a great great career. Good for him and um, you know uh, Edmonton was a was a challenge. It seems to be a challenge for. For lots but hopefully uh, you know this next phase for him is uh, is one that's uh, that's really successful.
2: Now you play with a handful of guys here who would go on to play in the National Hockey League so when you I mean, I guess when you get to camp and you kind of see these guys is it an immediate realization that these guys are gonna be NHL players one day?
0: Well, I think when you come in at 16 and, and all of a sudden you're skating around with the you know the the level of talent that you are it's super eye-opening um, You know, you kind of go, geez, what am I doing here? Like, do I do I belong in this, you know, in this rink and on this ice with these guys? Because, you know, the 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 game just gets quicker. And again, if you're 16 and skating around with 19 and 20 year olds that have got some experience, it's a it's a different ball game. You know, I think that, you know, when I came in, I would have probably thought, wow, these guys are all exceptional. You know, they're 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 different, certainly and bring different things to the team and and to the game. And, you know, again, being kind of naive and young, you'd think, geez, all these guys probably have a, you know, an opportunity to go and play some pro and play in, in the big leagues. But the reality of it is that only only so many of them do get to do that, regardless of how good they're in junior, it just gets tighter and tighter as things move ahead
1: you know you mentioned uh, your time in Kamloops and being at training camps with Jerome McGinley and Darcy Tucker in terms of of teammates out there and I, I realize I'm kind of putting you on the spot here to to narrow it down to a few but you know who are some that you look back on when conversations like this get going that you were really really proud to be in the same lineup as
0: oh wow that is a tough question <laughs> um you know, I think back to some of the uh, some of the real skilled guys You start there, you know, like the Sergei Varlamovs of the world, you know, like, um, you know, for him to come across, you know, basically come to Canada to play. Uh, and the skill that guy had, like uh, I've never seen a guy stick handle like that ever. Um, I tried, but it wasn't very close. <laughs> um, you know, a guy like that, a guy like, uh, you know, Lane Ulmer uh, felt like he could put the puck in the net from you know from two feet away it just seemed crazy uh, brad larson i mean two two times uh you know world junior guy and captain of the world junior team you know brent Sopel, great defenseman you know wins a cup um who else would be in there michael Roosevelt, uh again one of those guys that comes across and you know i remember you know his first days here you know some silly things would happen you know he he has no understanding of the english language so you know we we really messed with him quite a bit on that um so there's some fun times there um you know i'm trying to think of who else you know the chris siskey's of the world the the josh st louis's of the world you know like um josh st louis is a great hockey player they could put the puck in the net you know lots of great players um it's hard to remember them all because it's four years of time but uh And friends like, you know, Curtis Drummond and and Lawrence Nicolette and Chad Beagle. I I remember Chad Beagle just destroying guys that were like three feet taller than he was. And you just wondered how he could do this. Um, But yeah, lots of fun times for sure.
2: Just for some context, Sergei Vailamov, 66 goals in 72 games in the 97-98 season. Now, you you, know, you talk about all these guys who would go on to play in the NHL, but you were also drafted by the Calgary Flames uh, in the sixth round, the seventh round uh, in 97. So, you know, your name was obviously out there. So, I mean, when it came to that drafter, did you have any idea that you might get picked at some point?
0: Yeah, I did. I um, had an idea. I guess you never really know what's going to happen. Uh, my first year in the league, you know, was a learning experience. And then, you know, I had some some interesting health issues happen that first year that took me out, you know, kind of tail end of January. So I had an idea, but I didn't really know. Um you know, I, I don't know if I would say I made the mistake of going to Pittsburgh for the draft, but I sat there for a long time waiting and wondering <laughs> if this was actually ever going to happen. And, you know, you're sitting there going, geez, I don't even know if I can go to the bathroom. Right. So it's <laughs> yeah. like seven hours of of waiting, but but cool experience nonetheless. Um, so I did have an idea, but you're never really sure. I mean, you hear all kinds of, you know, horror stories of guys going to the draft and not yeah. getting drafted. And, you know, that started to come into my mind, you know, I don't know, the fifth round or something like that. But, <laughs> but uh, no, it was a very cool experience. And, you know, what, Calgary is a great organization. They um, they spent some money on their, on their young guys. They brought us into Calgary for the summer, kind of a t- uh, two-week, 10-day ten, ten kind of period, and uh, ran us through all kinds of different things. I mean, you know, their training staff is, you know, puts these guys through the paces. I mean, we were doing boxing and track and all kinds of, you know, wall climbing and all kinds of different stuff. Uh, so it was a pretty cool experience just to be a, just to be a part of that.
1: Nice, back when you played here in the in the nineties on ice, there's some great memories of those teams. You know, what was the group like off ice, and what were some of the things that you guys did to pass time back in the day that uh, that you can tell us about? <laughs> yeah, imagine exactly. a few off the record stories.
2: <laughs> <Yeah. but laughs> Once we stop recording, we'll get those stories. Yeah, we we'll right yeah, exactly. that for
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, it, uh, I don't know what it's like in today's day and age. I'm sure it's a little bit different. But, you know, it seemed like none of us had any money, right? So we had to find fun where we could find fun. Um, There was a lot of dumb things that we did, for sure. Uh, Seemed like, you know, even back then it was, um, you know, either you're playing... James Bond and you know if you remember that game I'm an old guy sit around and play six of us played you know that game Bosch has no idea what you're talking about I got got, got got that
2: game I got that for a birthday gift one year when I was like eight parents probably shouldn't have bought for me so young but I got it listen to this kid here (laughs) anyway
0: real cool (laughs) I don't you know I (laughs) don't know if you know the name Andy Milne but I'm sure you guys you guys do Craig you might not but you know he was a character and seemed to drive a lot of you know the dumb stuff that we did uh, you know, with his personality, and and uh, anyways, I can remember some some of the stupid things. Like, he had a like a handgun, but like handgun pellet gun, right? And he thought. Well, it'd be good to go into you know Canadian Tire and load up on some bullets and go shoot some things. And, and one of those things was me, so he, you know, he shot me in the back. And, and uh, anyway, you know, stupid things like that. I remember coming out to my car once, and and after a road trip, and there was a, a frozen rabbit that was uh, that was sitting on the driver's seat, buckled in. And I'm just like, you know, who does this dumb stuff? You know it was it was pretty uh pretty harmless silly stuff that uh, that we would have done, but you know we didn't have you know, social media and the internet. Well, I mean, the internet was there, but it was kind of just a relatively new kind of thing, right? Dial-up. <laughs> yeah, the old dial-up. You know, it was more of a pain to get on to dial-up than anything, so you just did other things. But it was lots of, you know, you know, silly kind of dumb stuff that we would have done just messing around with one another. Um, but but a whole good fun, for sure. I remember, I'll tell you this, <laughs> Derek Arbez, another character, you know, this guy, yeah, why he did this, I have no idea. But he was going to the dump, so he was, he was throwing some stuff in the dump. But he comes back with stuff from the dump. So a <laughs> free back, store,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like a free store
0: for for Arby. So he comes back with this uh, this styrofoam head, uh, and he names it. And so his, I think his name was Spencer. So Spencer sat in his uh, in his stall all year and would wear sunglasses and toques and. You know, he would, you know, if, if you asked him a question, he have to ask Spencer first for the answer. And it was just ridiculous. Like, but looking back, it was it was pretty, you know, lighthearted, silly kind of fun. So uh, all good times for sure.
2: Uh, the on-ice, uh, I guess, teams you guys had, you made to the second round of the playoffs twice, I believe, um, in 97 and 98. So what was your, I guess, your whole team like? And what was the league like back in that day? Did you guys feel like you were championship contenders at the start of each year?
0: I don't know if you ever feel that way. Um, You know, the league was tight, for sure. Uh, You know, if you got on a roll, you felt good about that. So that was always, you know, having some momentum behind you, I think, was huge. And you could kind of build off of that. Uh, The league was tough. Like, I remember running into Red Deer. It was at least once, if not twice, in the playoffs, and they seemed to have our number. But man, they had a bunch of real tough customers on that team, and uh, you know, you know, those games were were heavy, heavy games, and and uh, you know, it. The playoffs is a different game, as we all know. I mean, think of the run that they had a couple of years ago, and and. Uh, how many seven-game series we had. You know, great team, great players, and think of the list of players on those teams, and still it's that tight trying to yeah. get all the way to, the, uh, to you know, the finals, win the finals, and then get into the Memorial Cup. It's, uh, it's a grind, but it was, it was heavy, heavy hockey. Um, you know, you had some momentum going in, but that first game you knew it was like, all right, this isn't the regular season, and we got to buckle down if we want to do anything and every mistake was highlighted right it could be in the back of your net and again depending on who decided to show up in the playoffs um, that would really kind of set the stage for how successful you'd be
1: yeah well, i remember myself back in those days and my nerd friends watching from from section h doing what we did was uh, what do you remember about the fans back in the day similar to how they are now very knowledgeable group not afraid to stop you on the street and Maybe uh, give you a few pointers on the power play and uh, discuss systems with you. Was it was it like that back then too?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, depending on how much you wanted to go out in public after a bad <laughs> game, I guess you, you'd really get a taste for how the how the fans felt. Um, I remember. You know, this is back before some of the Renault's So if you remember, this would be on the west side where it was it was open up top before the boxes were there. Yeah, we had uh, we had a fan that would sit up there and heckle a bunch of us during warm up. So he'd be you know he'd be like, like a local guy, a local guy, yeah <laughs> Nicolette, you're brutal, right. <laughs> and guys are you know they're looking up going what in the heck? and it's a local guy, so anyway the the uh the goal and warm up then was to try and hit the bar and see if you could launch a puck up at him <laughs> but uh you know there was it, it's a i mean it's a hockey town really um a lot of people have been involved with the Broncos as a volunteer, as a season ticket holder, as a part of the organization uh, for a long period of time. There's a huge history there, and and Canadians and, and people in the Southwest are hockey minds. There's a ton of people that have a ton of knowledge and understanding of the game. You know, right or wrong, you know they have their opinions. So uh, people love talking hockey, and you know what, it was kind of you know you could look at it one of two ways. Either say well. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna run us down, or, or be super critical, or as an opportunity to, to connect with some people. So, it was it was always interesting talking hockey with uh, with people in the community, uh, and and just being a part of it because you knew that they were so passionate about it.
2: Now, before we dive into your time at the U of S, was there ever an opportunity for you to go play pro, whether or not it was an NHL contract? Did you have the option to go play in the minors, or did you just decide that school was going to be the way you wanted to go?
0: Well, the um, the way that the the draft works, if you're a drafted player. Um, the team that drafts you automatically has to offer you a, a contract. Now, that contract can be a really good contract <laughs> or a really bad contract. And I remember getting my, uh, my you know, offer or whatever, and... Uh, it was like I could probably work at, at Timmy's and make more money than I would than I would playing hockey, uh, and maybe that's a bad comparison. But you know, the money was was not great, and it would have been a you know a three way deal, and uh, and likely you know playing in the East Coast if that if I was lucky to even do that. So you know, it was kind of like the writing was on the wall. Did I want to go and try and you know muck it up and and see what I could do, or do I just take the opportunity to go to school? And you know what? The U of S became an attractive option. Um, you know, Kirsten was up there going to going to school, and and uh, thought, well, I'll give this school thing a shot. And in my again naive brain, I thought, well, geez, if if school goes well, who knows? Maybe there's an opportunity to go play after the fact. Yeah, and that didn't quite happen. Either. <laughs> so I didn't have a, I didn't have a ton of offers rolling through, um, but uh, also had kind of made my mind up that I should try the school thing and, and try and take advantage of the fact that I had some education
1: money available. And now a partner at MNP here in Swift Current, a high profile position there. When you, uh, when you went to school, like, did you go with accountant in mind or or what was kind of the mindset? Just I'm going to take some classes, play some hockey and, and see what shakes out or, or well, how that I, I don't was?
0: know if accountant would have been, uh, at the top of the list. Uh, my old man's an accountant and, and uh, has done all kinds of different things throughout the course of his career. Um, so that may have had some of an influence. My my biggest thing was, you know, I, I wanted to get just get in. Um, I mean, I barely got into school. My marks in high school were so terrible. Um, but I did get in, you know, clawed my way into the uh, College of Commerce, as it was known then. And, you know, my biggest, I guess, influence there was I wanted to be I saw business as an opportunity. I didn't know if accounting was the way that I wanted to go, uh, but I wanted to learn more about business because I really didn't know anything about it. And that was the driving force behind you know getting into the college. And then you, you get a little bit more of an idea what type of business or, or what specialty you could kind of, uh, I guess, narrow your focus, for lack of a better term. And you know what? It was probably more of a... Risk management game for me, you know. I thought, okay, if I if I did finance, I'd only be able to do finance type work. But if I did accounting, then I could probably do, you know. There's a lot more options out there. So I kind of gave myself a little bit more flexibility and, and leeway. Um, You know, being in the accounting program at the U of S, they heavily, heavily encourage you to go through and try and get your, at that point in time, CA or chartered accountant designation. So it seemed like if you didn't do that, you were a failure. So, (laughs) so then it was like, well, I guess I'll try to do this. And, and (laughs) M&P took a chance on me. And and again, in 2004, I started there, took a huge chance on me. One of the now partners, uh, Trevor Friesen, uh, convinced somebody there that it would, it would be a good idea to hire me. I still to this day, I'm unsure why, but, but uh, you know, that kind of kick-started it all, and, uh, yeah, I never really thought I'd be in, a, in an accounting position, just really wanted to learn a little bit more about business and kind of see how it all worked.
2: And, of course, not every player that comes through the Western Hockey League uses that education money, but the fact that it is there provides, uh, you know, such a huge boost to a guy like yourself who ended up using it to the full extent.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, you know, it's, like I said to you guys before, when you're playing um junior hockey, it's not it's not a money making venture. I mean it's it's really about the experience and and uh and, and I guess what you end up doing with it after if you decide to go and play pro or go on to some uh some professional career. Um, I had no money, um, none. You know, it was uh again with a big family and lots of mouths to feed, you, you kinda had to you know, cut your teeth. So that Western Hockey League um scholarship program is is huge and uh that hockey you know that university hockey has come a long way from you know from its uh, say humble beginnings i mean it's been around for a long time but i think the level of of talent now going to school is uh is is great uh the hockey is fast uh I probably couldn't even play now I mean the game's changed a lot Rutherford was really small so you know I probably appeared fast on that (laughs) ice but only because it was a small surface but anyway um it's it's a fantastic program if if guys are interested in going to school and and the support that you get from the league is is huge like I if anyone's ever entertaining that I would strongly encourage them to do it it's I mean, obviously, you know, brought in to kind of compete with U.S. College, but uh, the Canadian schools are great, the hockey's great, and... What a great way to kind of take what you've done in your junior career and kind of transition that into something, you know, from a professional standpoint.
1: Get you kick-started in life right, after yeah. hockey, for sure. Now, nowadays, your involvement with the team, uh, I mean, you're a fan. I see you at games a ton. And uh, the Alumni Golf Classic is something that you and Kirsten have, have done a great job organizing. And, and you know, each year we, we always have conversations about it. and. It's it's such a big undertaking. Like, this isn't just booking a couple tea times at the Elmwood. Like, it's a massive undertaking, and you and Kirsten do so much work for it. What, you, you know, what's the motivation for you guys to just keep doing it and doing it every year, you know?
0: Oh, well, there's a lot of wedges in this. But, yeah, I mean, Kirsten has been, uh, has been helping, well... <laughs> Let's be real here. I mean, a lot of times driving that tournament uh, for a number of years on an organizational uh, front. And then then now M&P and Crystal and and our team there. I think we had 16 volunteers from our office this year, um, which is huge for us, uh, just getting people involved in the community. Anyway, uh, the driving force behind that tournament going way back was, you know, I played in that tournament when I was a player. Now, it was a little different then. (laughs) The uh, the parties went on late as they do now, but we were playing at the time. Um, so that was my first experience with it. But what I took away from it was, uh, you know, I got an opportunity to mix and mingle with different alumni, number one. So guys that had come before me. Uh, so that was kind of interesting just to kind of pick their brains and be a part of that. Um, mixing and mingling with people in the community, which I thought was Uh, You know, this community is, is, again, so passionate about the team and the people that I've met here, um, I can't say enough about. And it was just a great way to reconnect with some of those people. And then the organization, obviously, and, you know, those that were... Uh, Those that were, uh, you know, involved in from a coaching staff or from a business standpoint, just reconnecting with them. It was so that was my personal experience. And what I wanted to do was try to emulate that as we went forward. So, you know, trying to to get some people back in the community. I think that their hockey experiences can be different than their experiences as they come back to the community. So getting those guys reintegrated not only with the community, but with the team. And, you know, lots of organizations like this, like the Broncos are trying to build that alumni community. component in that database the U of S I'll tell you for one I mean their alumni program is huge and they help that organization significantly during the course of the year fundraising whatever they can do to help um so lots of different wedges uh and you know what I thought you know the community um gives so much to the team and to the players that you know to try and integrate them them back in there um, just to give them an opportunity to, to reconnect with some of these kids that they would have watched. Uh, we've had guys come back at you know, 50 or 60 years old, and it's kind of neat to see that because they come back and wander around the city and reconnect with some people. So it was really trying to create some momentum and some energy and some buzz around this, uh, this event. I mean, it's just golf, but it's, uh, it's to me... And to those involved, it was more than golf. It was about uh, relationships and people, and and uh, trying to give back to the team. And you know, I mean, for, from my standpoint personally, you know, I got some school money, and uh, the organization was great to me. I couldn't cut them a check. Um, you know, when, when I started working to repay them for that, I wanted to find a way to to try and put some money back into the team to help them with their education requirements. So that was really, you know, my own personal tie to it. So, yeah, lots of different wedges for sure. It's, um, it's kind of developed a mind of its own, and, and you're right. It's like we just finished it. It was in July, late July, July 27th, and, you know, we kind of... Try to figure out our numbers for about a month and a half and uh, collect and do all that kind of stuff, pay some bills. And then, uh, you know, we'll do some check presentations you know i'm thinking we're going to be you know in and around that $8,000 mark for the, for the broncos or for safe places and and we'll trickle some money through to kids sport so another i would say successful tournament um, and then we start planning again yeah. you know it's like october you know what are we doing for next year so it's uh it's like a 10 month kind of process to get there and and get our sponsors in place and try and get some alumni back the community's been great like the our sponsors have been outstanding continue to come back year to year and We had a ton of people out on the course this year. We had a hole-in-one, RBC had a hole-in-one program and had somebody drain one, so that was pretty cool. You know, little stuff like that that kind of goes a long way, and and uh, I think the party went until about three in the morning, four in the morning. So it was as per uh, usual. All, all, yeah, as per usual. Yeah, no, it was a great day. Everybody and, leaves with some stories to tell, don't they? Well, that hopefully that they can remember.
1: Yeah, and uh, you, you touched on it that uh, you know once again the, the golf classic supported KidSport and uh, and Safe Places. I want to talk about that about why why the organizers chose to to help out that Safe Places program because it's something that all three of us in this room have. We all have our Safe Places card mm-hmm. right now. You know what was it about that cause that made you guys be like, "Yep, we're we're helping this."
0: Out"? Well, we'll have to go back in time here. When Safe Places was was first announced, um, you know, historically we'd always had funded the Broncos one hundred percent with this tournament, and you know, we were at that time kind of looking for different community organizations to uh, to get involved with. And Safe Places was kind of just just new and and fresh, and we thought, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for us to help. You know, promote this um, this program in the community. Uh, promote it with our staff. Uh, try and you know encourage some other businesses to go through this. Um, if there wasn't some motivation or some some incentive behind this, who would get involved? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we learned lots about the funding for the program and how much money they had actually had. And you know, if they you know th- the challenges they had financially, we could maybe help out with. Um, but it was really about You know the the history there with the if you think about it with with sheldon and the hockey team and 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 everything that's that's happened there um you know the apology um and, and you know how everything has kind of played out over the course of time and you know that program a lot of the minor you know the minor hockey associations and different uh you know football association and and such have adopted it but there's you know you think about how many how many people influence kids or work with kids that don't necessarily have this training or people that maybe have, a, have access to children and, 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 you know, and there could be some compromising situations and people don't necessarily know how to, how to deal with those. Um, you know, if there's, if there's a way for us to promote this program and to give people the tools and the skills and the education they need to, you know, to address those kinds of situations let's be a part of it because to me that makes that makes a whole heck of a lot of sense so if you think of the wedges between the the Broncos and, and Sheldon Kennedy and and the city and, and the development and establishment of safe places um, it seemed to all really tie nicely together and of course as an alumni I remember say it was my first year when when uh, the announcement the, the, the Graham James um, you know that became a, a public thing and you know I wasn't here when he was coaching, but uh, certainly there were players that I played with that were. And when that first came out, it was, I remember that, you know, the communication to the players at the time and uh, the impact it had on on the guys that were here and obviously here before his time. So anyway, great program. And if there's anything that we can do to try and help promote it and prevent some of those things from happening in the future, it just seemed like a no-brainer for us to pull them in as as one of our... uh, you know our beneficiaries of the of the golf tournament
1: very well said uh if there's any alumni that are checking out the podcast right now and having a listen to it uh, jeremy rondeau is joining us uh the bronco alum and organizer of the mnp golf classic uh how can people uh, reach out to you and get more information if there's alums out there that want to take part in uh, in the 2020 event
0: oh thank you for doing that <laughs> um, <laughs> you know we we scrounge and you know i you know i go through facebook and linkedin and try to you know track down alumni over time i know, the club is looking at trying to find ways to do a, you know, to to bolster their alumni relations. And and, uh, what I would say is reach out to the organization. Uh, I've talked to Nathan uh, McDonald, business manager, a number of times about, uh, you know, alumni relations and how we could beef that up and where we could go with it. Contact the the club um, and find me. it's not that hard to do in swift current but uh, I' I'm, I'm an MP shoot me an email it's jeremy rondo at mMPCA uh, and let's start the conversation um, you know we uh, I'm doing this off the side of my desk this whole alumni piece and and uh, I know at times alum will say well I didn't get an invite and well that's because I'm not that organized all the time <laughs> but, but I would I would encourage guys to come you know chat with their the guys that they played with in the past and and if they can uh, grab one or two or three guys and put a team in, it's the best way to get back and connect and have some fun with your your buddies and reminisce about uh, about when we were young and stupid and got a chance to play in this fantastic league. So, yeah, I would just put it out there to uh, uh, to encourage uh, people to just reach out. Uh, we'll do our best to get in touch with you. Again, we're doing it off the kind of the side of our desks, but would love to get this... Call it an alumni association, call it whatever you want to call it, but I would really like to to see our alumni, you know, integrate in with the team and and really build a strong support network for the players here. Uh, You know, there's tons of guys that came in and now are professionals across the board that, you know, maybe some of the current players would like to reach out to and chat with. Uh, And on the financial side, um, there's always... There's always opportunities to do upgrades here, you know, whether it's you know, inside of the rink or if, if there's something needed in the dressing room. Um, I know there's lots of successful alumni out there that could you know, that could lend a hand to and, and help the organization out. We all got the opportunity to play. So great opportunity to give a little bit back.
1: That was a great chat. You're you're working your way up the guest depth chart. <laughs> Number one on one. the reoccurring guest yeah, list. Yeah, the first uh,
0: guest. Yeah. Uh, really at <laughs> <up> the top.
1: <laughs> no, Jr. We we can't thank you enough for uh, for taking time out of your day to come and chat with us here on the podcast. We're we're working on getting this thing off the ground here, and uh, and we thank you very much for for your support, not just to this, but of so many other things within the club.
0: Oh, guys, uh, this is a uh, thanks for the invite. I really appreciate it. You guys are uh, you're trying something new and different, and uh, both of you great personalities that you're you're bringing to. The the table here and i look forward to seeing what you guys will do with this thanks for the invite and again encourage you alumni out there to get in touch with the boys here and see if you can't uh, get on this podcast yourself you're listening to broncos this week presented by original 16 the official beer of the swift current
1: broncos Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. Uh, We're going to catch up with a member of the coaching staff now. Dean Brockman, head coach and director of hockey operations, joins us. Uh, Dean, a lot of people fired up after the uh, preseason. No regulation losses in the season before the season. Uh, There's some excitement in Bronco Nation. Um, You know, we'll get your assessment on, uh, on the past few weeks.
3: You know, I guess it's always nice to win. I think uh, a guy has to be realistic about uh, what transpired. I, I like our guys as far as how they approach things. Uh, you know, we didn't see any NHL guys in anybody's lineup. They're all gone off to NHL camps. We don't have those guys. So that makes it a little bit easier for us. And, you know, just adding to it, you know, we've got, a, you know, an older group playing a bunch of younger guys trying to make their team. And, yeah, it's uh, I don't want to downplay the wins because they're always nice to get, and it's always, you know, a lot more funner to win than it is to lose, but. You know, putting things into perspective, it is exhibition and it's not a regular season.
2: Yeah, and there's that old adage that preseason is preseason. But is there still the capability to carry some of that momentum into the regular season? you think?
3: Well, you hope so, right? Uh, you know, it just transpires uh, the coaching staff being able to push the guys a little bit more and make things harder on them and challenge them a little bit because uh, when you have w- when you win, you have confidence, and when you don't, then you have to kind of nurse that along. So, w- w- with that being said, uh, yeah. Pre- Preseason is preseason, but you still want to win every game you play.
1: It's uh, it's pretty easy to look on the stat sheet and see who contributed, but who who did you like in the preseason? You know that maybe didn't have the big sexy numbers that just went out and and did their job like you guys advised them to.
3: Well, you know I think uh, you know a, a combination of things. Uh, you know we tried to change a few things this year with doing different you know things, different systems. Uh, you know just to adjust to our team a little bit now that we know it. And you know I, I honestly there was no real shockers or surprises. I think you know for the most part we got consistent efforts out of everyone and you know i think it's just to try and take it to that next level i thought uh, eric hulk had a real good training camp and you know worked hard in practice every day and you know he's not a flashy guy but uh, doing his job and doing things the right way on a consistent basis he probably stands out the most just because it was really unknown whether he was going to be a member of our team but you know he certainly separated himself early and did a great job in the offseason mm-hmm.
2: Speaking of knowing what your team looks like now heading into the season opener, obviously the roster has been cut down by a couple of players and uh, some some difficult decisions to make as it is every single year.
3: That is, you know, I really despise that uh, part of the job. I hate it. I think you know, making decisions, uh, usually the players make them for you, but in this case, uh, you know, we had a couple of veterans that we had to let go, and you know, it's always tough when you have to do that. Uh, You know, you warm up to these guys and try and get them to to get the most out of them on a regular basis, and for us, uh, yeah, when you let guys go, it's never easy. I I hate it. It's not a part of the job that I love, uh, but I think it had to be done. I think uh, certainly it sent messages to our other guys that, you know, anybody's replaceable, and and they are. I think, uh, you know, if we're going to try and, you know, get to the next phase in, in this reset, I think we have to do certain things
1: big home opener coming up this weekend it's going to be a saturday night uh, expecting a pretty big crowd on hand as the swift current broncos move to the central division and open the year against the calgary Hitman, a team that sounds like is getting some reinforcements back from uh, nhl camp you know what do you know about the home opener opposition well
3: you know i asked our team what they knew about them today and uh, you know they're big they're physical they play hard uh, they're going to come at you you know there's a lot of talent on the other side i think when you look at some of the guys that they have returning and uh, you know, they've had significant numbers against us in in last season and in other seasons. So, you know what, they're league contenders for a reason. Uh, they play the game hard. They play it really, you know, effectively in all areas of the ice. They're well coached. And, yeah, there's a big challenge right off the bat. And, you know, I want to see what our guys, how they're going to respond to it. And I think, you know, for us, we know that every game is going to be a challenge. It's how we accept it and how we, you know, take advantage of it as well.
2: I think you mentioned a couple of times in- almost a half-joking manner that it's not a great year to move into the Central Division, but I guess you're kind of getting thrown right in the fire to start off with with a team, like you said, is probably a league contender in Calgary.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, the good thing about playing them right off the bat is we only play them once. Other teams are playing back-to-back, and again, we talk about taking advantage of our schedule. They've got to come here and play us, so uh, you know, we want to give our crowd the best, and uh, you know, certainly hopefully our guys do that.
1: Out and about and doing some some work in the community yesterday, shooting a promo at Rittinger's menswear uh, we'll kind of shift gears from hockey a little bit and uh well they got you suited up looking good behind the bench and uh, another year working with uh with Barry and Brock down at Ringers. how was that yesterday
3: no it was fantastic and I don't know if there's a way to make me look any better I mean those guys <laughs> certainly try and uh you know their product is fantastic uh you know Barry and Brock are so personable and how they they handle you and how they deal with things and you know I you know for me it's uh you know it's just pleasant faces and uh you know they've got the personality to make that store fantastic, like it is.
1: Yeah, just kind of heading out and about around town for you, Dean. You've been here a year. You're you're much more recognizable in the community. You know what, what's it been like in this offseason? You know, just just talking to fans. How have those interactions been?
3: Well, you know what? I, I love the the passion that people talk, you know, hockey, you know, about. I guess you know for me it was uh, everybody wants answers on how we're going to make the you know make us better and you know how we proceed to to try and reset this thing the right way and you know it was great I think uh, you're going to have always positive or negative conversations and for me they're all positive I think uh, when you can see the passion in people's eyes how they talk about the team you know how they want to see you know another championship how they want to you know see this team uh, you know get the most out of them you know all those conversations were you know I I thought great I think uh, you know people like I said have the passion Uh, it didn't really matter whether you were in Swift Kern or in some of the surrounding areas i think people adhere to this team they love it they have a passion for it Uh, us have as a coaching staff we understand that passion and we want to work for them i I think and we do you know obviously that's the obvious thing but you know you want to work so hard for them when you see the passion in
1: their eyes it's coach and director of hockey operations dean brockman joining us on the broncos this week podcast brought to you by original 16 dean thanks as always for your time it's always greatly appreciated and no
3: awesome thanks for having me guys You're listening to Broncos This Week,
1: presented by Original Sixteen. The official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. All right. It was awesome of Dean to join us on the Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. And Jeremy Rondeau, man, he's, uh, w- we weren't joking. He He's worked his way right up the guest depth chart.
2: Yeah, he, uh, I think, like I said, he's he's probably number one on that reoccurring guest uh, list. If we ever need someone to come back, he's going to be the first call, I think.
1: Friend of the show. All right. Home opener coming up this Saturday. Uh, and it's the season opener as well for the Swift Current Broncos. Normally they open with a home and home, but it's just Calgary coming here on Saturday. And uh, as Dean touched on, that should be a good measuring stick game for the 2019-2020 Swift and Broncos.
2: Yeah, I think I've told a couple of people so far. In my in my personal opinion, I, I my belief is that Calgary will come out of the Eastern Conference to go to the WHL Finals. So I think that's a very, you know, quite literally the, the best measuring stick you can get in the first game of the season. Going to be a very difficult test for uh, this Broncos team. But uh, you know, like like Dean said, you kind of you kind of want that right off the bat to sort of show these guys this is what you're facing all season long. So it will be a big test for them, but it should be an entertaining game. Uh, huge crowd here at the Iplex to make it uh, even more entertaining and uh, really looking forward to just kind of getting back in that that regular routine of of regular season hockey being here.
1: Yeah, and you know what? Ask players who have played in the league. Swift Current can be a very, very tough barn for for teams to come and play in, so our fans could certainly be an X Factor on Saturday night. Get your tickets by visiting the Stable or by going to scbroncos.com. A big thanks again to Jeremy Rondeau and Dean Brockman. That does it for another edition of Broncos This Week for Original 16.
3: You've been listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original Sixteen.